Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. Good morning. Welcome to our live stream service this morning. My name is Rick, and I'm the preaching pastor here at Gospel Community Church. And it's an honor to be delivering God's word to everyone this morning. If you're visiting with us today and this is your first time tuning in, we're honored to have you as our guest. Our church's mission statement is to make Jesus the hero. That's our aim and that's our goal in all that we do. Uh, We don't just want to do that in a sermon on Sunday mornings. We want to do that in all of life and see that that's what we do in all of life. And so that's our mission statement. Uh, Like I said, if you're joining us for the first time today, we are uh, honored to have you as our guest. And so uh, today we will be continuing in the book of Matthew. I'll give you guys some time to turn there as I go over a couple announcements. Uh, First, we still have gospel communities that are meeting right now during uh, throughout the week. So we have a couple on Monday. We have one on Tuesday, uh, two on Wednesday, and then one on Thursday. And so uh, please, if you are not connected to a community and you want to be connected to a community, consider getting plugged into one of our gospel communities. You can contact Hunter at gccugene.org, and she can give you uh, any information that you need on those. But we, we, we value community. It's in the name of our church, Gospel Community Church, and we want you to be plugged into community. And so please uh, uh, seek that out. And if you'd like information on that, please contact her. Also, uh, during this time, our network that we're a part of is called Acts 29, but Acts 29 just started doing a fundraiser to help uh, raise some funds for people that are in uh, hard places and even more rural places throughout the world, even in uh, um, South America and stuff like that. And so uh, by uh, our people's contributions, we've been able to give to that and, and help that cause as well. And so right now we actually have a fund going on. Uh, called Benevolence uh, COVID-19. So if you go to our website, uh, there's, there's a spot on there that you can click on under the Give tab that actually uh, has uh, Benevolence. And 100% of those proceeds are going toward helping people in our community. And we've been able to do that to help people in need that are going through a rough uh, time and season in their lives right now. The other way that you can give is through the, uh, the Church Center app. And that's our giving app. You can give uh, through there. And so if you're someone that typically gives with cash in the Dropbox or something like that, it's just a quick and easy way uh, that you can give there. You can also give through our post office box, which is post office box 41864. So if you're someone who still likes to write checks, you can uh, um, send in a check to our post office box and make checks payable to GCC. So uh, that's it for, I believe, the announcements. So we're going to go over our memes. We're going to do a minute memes because we believe that uh, laughter is uh, great medicine for the soul. And so we're going to continue on with our memes today. Before we do that, just real quick, I want to thank the people that are here helping out, uh, making all this happen with the live stream that's, uh, that come in and give up their time throughout the week. And I also just want to thank uh, another team that's helping uh, put, uh, j- just kind of notifying the church and everyone about uh, the businesses that we're trying to support during this time. So there's a team of six people that's helping out with all that stuff. They're the ones that are uh, uh, putting the businesses in front of us. Uh, They're they're the ones connecting us uh, through social media to those businesses. And I would encourage us as a church to to get behind these businesses that they're uh, promoting so we can help some of the local businesses in our community. So here we go. Minute memes. First one is two women having a conversation you guys can see the memes right here. Uh, it says, where's your husband? And the lady says, in the garden. And then the other lady says, I didn't see him. And then she responds, you need to dig, uh, you need to dig a little. So uh, 
The next is Dennis the Menace. He's complaining. He's frustrated. He's talking to his parents. He said, can we go to a restaurant? I'm sick of eating groceries. So many of us may feel that way. The next says, turns out my three favorite hobbies are eating at restaurants, going to non-essential businesses, and touching my face. Next one is, if this one offends you, I'm sorry, have kids. Day seven of homeschool biology, testing whether or not chloroform has a smell. This is a mom who's just done. Next one is this little girl, the happiest girl on earth right now is running away from these two boys. And it says, I grabbed the last knickers while these fools were in line for toilet paper. Next is the guy laying in bed and says what the, corona, uh, uh, what the coronavirus pandemic is like and what I'm going to tell uh, my grandkids it was like. So picture of reality versus how he's going to paint the picture for his grandkids. Next, again, sorry if this one offends you, uh, me after I eat all of my quarantine snacks in one night. And last but not least, what we will all look like on our DMV photos after uh, COVID is over with. And I just want to say, I know I'm going to get in trouble for this. Uh, this is Becca uh, Stankus from our community. This is actually her driver's license picture, I believe, from when she was 16. And so, so yeah, I, I know that I'm going to take some heat for this and payback is coming, but it's too good not to share. So there you go. There's your... <laughs> I, can't, I can't stare at that without... Laughing. So there you go. So our memes for the week, and we will get started today with our series that we're continuing on in, which is a praying people. So a praying people part five is where we're at today. Matthew chapter six, uh, verse twelve. Just one verse today. That's where we're going to be. So turn with me there. Matthew chapter six, verse twelve. This is a praying people part five. What we're looking at is that uh, prayer, especially in such a time that we're in right now, is, is not uh, something elementary. It's not even our second response. Prayer is, is, is our first response because through prayer, we have access to God the Father, who is the most powerful person in all of the universe. And we can go to him and we can pray. In fact, prayer is the best and most powerful thing we can do um, for ourselves, for our friends, for our community, for our church, for our churches, for our nation, and for our world during this time. And so we're taking a moment to explore prayer. And what better place to explore prayer than in the Lord's Prayer, where God himself in the flesh of Jesus Christ has actually given us the greatest lesson and teaching on prayer ever And he's doing that right in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. So in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' teaching on prayer. And the Sermon on the Mount is just showing us time and time again that we don't measure up. And in fact, what we need is we need Christ who's measured up for us. And so even in this, Jesus is showing us this is how prayer should look and this is how we should pray. But we realize from even week one that we don't pray as we ought and so Jesus Christ prayed perfectly for us in our place. And so where we find ourselves today is, is on the heels of what Ronnie preached on last week, where it was give us this day our daily bread. <clears throat> and it's the first time that we have this request for something in the Lord's Prayer. And today we pick up with verse 12, which is this. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Let's pray. Um, Father, we thank you so much for this time to dive into your word. We thank you so much for this time to even laugh. We thank you for the gift of laughter. We thank you, Father, you've created us in your image, and we pray that is an image this morning uh, 
that is restored more and more into the likeness of Christ. We pray, Father, that you would speak to us through your word as we talk about forgiveness and our need for it. I pray, Father, you would open hearts and open ears to be sensitive to receive from you. I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would speak uh, through me today, um, that I would preach your word faithfully, that it would be uh, um, um, clear and drenched in the gospel. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would empower it to save and transform hearts and lives. Convict us. Father, we pray for the people that are hurting right now. We pray for those that are sick. We pray for those that are grieving loss. We pray for those um, that are uh, financially burdened. We pray for families. We pray for single parents. We pray for our nation. We pray for our world. In such a time like this, Father, we see actually how connected we are. And so we thank you for a time to reflect to that, but we thank you that we serve a God who is good, who is in control, and we can pray to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, our main point today is the forgiven forgive. So three words, the forgiven forgive. In other words, those that are forgiven respond with forgiveness, um, for forgiveness is what the forgiven offer. So it's, it's an action that we do because of what we've been given. Um, and and it comes to an understanding of how much we've been forgiven. And so um, where we find ourselves today is this, is we are almost to the end of the Lord's prayer, which is so crazy to me. And I was shocked. I remember the first time that I saw this and I noticed this, and I'm even shocked with it now, is that it's not till almost to the very end of the Lord's prayer that Jesus teaches us to ask and pray for forgiveness and forgive us. This doesn't come till almost the end, which shocks me because almost all of my prayer life from early on, even now, teaches so much about what I believe about God. And that's this, is that um, I don't go to God uh, exalting God, thinking about who God is, spending time with God. I go to God first to ask for forgiveness. What does this reveal about me? What does this uh, reveal about my belief in God is that, is that uh, we go back to our starting place, which we preached on weeks ago, is that I think that God is a, is a God who's disgusted with me when I've sinned, when I've done something wrong, or when I go to him, I, I feel dirty or shameful, something like that. And so what needs to be dealt with is that first that God needs to forgive me because he can't even uh, tolerate uh, me or seeing me, much less the sound of my voice coming to him. So I need to plead with him that maybe he would have enough grace to forgive me again for the same thing that I've done or something like that. And so we find ourselves just going to God over and over again and, and our prayer lives exist of forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, which is crazy because as Jesus teaches, teaches on prayer, it's not till almost the end of the Lord's prayer where forgiveness and asking for our need for forgiveness even comes up. And I want to say this, even before we proceed forward, is that I know this for sure, that forgiveness is going to be a hard topic for people. And it's going to be a hard topic to hear about because some of you might be thinking there's uh, no way this guy knows what I've been through or the hurt or the pain that's been done to me. He has no idea of what I, I've endured. And so hopefully he's not going to tell me that I need to forgive someone that's caused me that sort of pain and that sort of hurt. I also know that as soon as we mention forgiveness or forgiving others, it might cause your blood pressure to rise. It might cause you to get a pit in your stomach or despair, even thinking about people that have hurt you. And so I know this might be a sensitive subject, but, but, I'm, but, but it's probably a sensitive subject for many. And, and oftentimes it's from people that we've known well that have hurt us because they can cause the deepest pain. But I'm asking you, please stick in there with me. Please hang in there with me as we unpack this and why Jesus urges us and encourages us and teaches us to pray like this. And so again, the location matters. The location almost being at the end really matters. 
And it matters for a few reasons. One, Jesus puts this at, at the end of the prayer. I believe this is why. Because first we start off again with Father. We start off with a relationship, with, which is what we talked about in, in week one. Is that as we pray, we pray with the relationship that's already established. We pray as sons and daughters to a Father. There's a relationship we don't pray to earn a relationship with God. We pray out of the relationship we have with God by his grace. And we also pray to a God who's in the heavens. He's high exalted. He's above. And so our prayers start God-centered. So the location matters to put forgiveness at the end because sometimes we think we can't go to God unless we first just go to him with, with our, our, our big prayer of repentance and all this sort of stuff. Oftentimes by doing that, what we can do is first forget the relationship that we have with God the Father, but also what we can forget is who he is and that he's known all things for all eternity, that he knew uh, the sins that we would struggle with, that he knew the people that we, we would be, and he knew that before he saved us. But also the location matters because of this. The location matters because sometimes we go to God and ask for forgiveness or we tell people, hey, what you need is you need to be forgiven by God. But oftentimes people don't understand what that means or why they would need forgiveness. Unless we start with God at the starting place of our prayers and have a big theology on God, when we tell people, hey, you need forgiveness, that doesn't make sense. Because what do we need to be forgiven of? What do we need forgiveness for? So by actually starting with God, as father, but high and lifted up, and he's hallowed, he's holy as his name, then by the time we get to forgiveness, we actually see how desperately that we actually need forgiveness and that we need forgiveness from God. And so the location matters, and it matters that it's at the end. We can actually go to God, which is so cool, and we can lay our request before him. We can, we can acknowledge who he is, but we can also ask him for bread. We can ask him to meet our physical needs, and we can do all this before forgiveness. Again, this shocked me. This is mind-blowing to me. Because we don't have to go with this big, long prayer of penance before we can talk to God, which is amazing. Next, we need to see our own personal need for forgiveness. Again, if the forgiven forgive, we first actually need to see that we need to be forgiven and forgive us our debts. That's where it starts. I've shared this story before and I'll share it again. That before I married my wife, Allie, uh, I just left out some pretty important details because I was afraid if I shared those details with her that maybe she wouldn't want to marry me. And so one of those details was my credit score. And so I just left that information out. Some other information I left out, I figured once we were safe in the covenant of marriage, <laughs> that it'd be best to share all the other stuff that I was keeping a secret. And so we went to Sears to get our television and uh, we were trying to figure out, you know, uh, how, how to finance it. And she was like, well, we'll just, you know, uh, we'll just, we can put in your name. I was like, oh, we should, we should just put in, we should put in your name. And so we put in her name and then we were doing something else one day and making a purchase. And again, we were putting that in her name. So I finally just told her, I was like, I have horrible credit. So I've seen that the lowest you can get is actually 280, but I was pretty convinced I had worse credit than that. And so my wife, by marrying me, took on my debt and she took on my bad credit. And, and, and so what I actually needed to uh, be forgiven of was uh, my, my sin for lying, but also just my debt, my poor decisions and choices that I made financially in the past. And I just want to say this, this is absolutely not relevant or important at all, but I now have a better credit score than my wife. And so uh, I say that because we are competitive and, uh, and she hates that every time that comes up. So, so there you go. That's my boasting for the morning. Uh, <clears throat> We have a deep personal need for forgiveness. And if we don't see that, let me say this. We will never be able to offer other people forgiveness like Jesus 
is, is, is encouraging us to do, and not just encouraging, but commanding us to do, if we don't actually see how desperately we need to be forgiven. And so for the, the, the forgive us our debts piece is that we have accrued this debt with God that we can't afford to pay off. And, and this is not something where we make a few tweaks to our credit score like I need to do or clean up a few things or, or, or make this better. This is something to where we are in major debt and we cannot climb out of, we cannot get out of. We are, we are in the hole too far to do something about it. And again, if you're saying, I, I don't know that I see this and let's just go here is forgive us our debts. We could start here if you say, I, well, how have I sinned against God? Jesus summarizes the entire law and he says, um, here's, here's the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. And if we were being honest, we can, we can be honest and say, if we're called to do that every second of every day, we don't do that. Our, 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 um, our social media accounts would reflect that we desire to spend way more time on social media than we ever do with God. And that we love uh, Facebook, we love Instagram more than we love spending time with God. I've uh, heard someone make a joke recently that they're, not, that they're no longer watching Netflix series, that they've actually watched all of Netflix. And I think if we see the amount of time that we spend even watching TV shows and stuff like that, that we can say that we're not actually loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and even desiring him. We can fall asleep reading our Bibles, be disengaged, but somehow be totally immersed in a TV show. And it's because, honestly, we don't love God as we're called to love God. And so we need to be forgiven of all those times we're not loving God, but also the times that we love ourselves more than our neighbors. And then to, to, to make it even bigger, neighbors is actually your enemies, those who persecute you. And so those are the people that we're to be loving and serving. And so we don't need to go any further than that to see that we actually need to be forgiven for our sins. And so we have a personal need to be forgiven for our sins. But the problem is too, is that we are minimizers and maximizers, meaning this, we like to minimize our sin, but maximize other people's sins. So we like to make whatever we do small, we like to justify it, and then we like to maximize the same sins that other people commit and then not forgive them for the same, same sins they commit against us are the same sins that we commit against God on a daily basis. We're not honest, we lie, we gossip, we slander, we do those things and then we hold it on other people, yet minimizing our sin in that. We're also great at blame shifting. This is something that Adam and Eve started with in the garden, but it's something that we've continued on in, that we are great at shifting the blame. We need to be forgiven for sin, but instead of seeing how broken we are, what we do is we blame our sin on someone else as though they're the cause for the sin that's coming out of us. And again, just being honest, is the, I've struggled with anger this week, and I think people are going through different emo, uh, emotions through this COVID stuff, and this week, it's been anger for me. And so I've just been frustrated, and I was telling uh, Hunter Nathan, the work for the church, that I just feel like pent up, and I'm just like ready to explode. And so at Walmart, just being honest, uh, I, I was doing like a rolling stop, and, uh, and the guy in front of me uh, crossing in front of me. Another pet peeve of mine, I don't like when people cross, crosswalk slowly. And so he was walking across and he goes, I'm trying to walk here. And so I said, I'm sorry. And then uh, uh, he goes, uh, no, you're not. Or made some, comment, <laughs> made some comment like that. I could have just let it go and I should have let it go. But I said, your attitude is more contagious. <laughs> your attitude is more contagious than COVID or something like that. And so it was, it was not good. And then as I'm driving away, my, my daughter was like, I don't like when you do that, dad. Or I don't like when you say stuff like that. And so I was 
just confessing to the Lord. I'm like, why do I do that? And I told my wife, why do I do that? And the reality is, is in the moment, I was like, that guy made me do that. Because I want to blame and say that the result of my sin is actually something that he made me do. The reality is, is that I need far more forgiveness than I realized because I didn't exercise self-control. I wasn't sober-minded. And so the reality is, is that inside of us, sin dwells. And so someone might probe us or something like that uh, um, and, and, and get a reaction out of us. But the reality is, is that we're sinners in need of forgiveness and we need to be forgiven. We have this personal need for forgiveness. But also, forgive us our debts. Notice it says us. Is that there's this corporate need. The forgiven forgive, but what we need to see is that no sin, and we'll look at this more next week, is just a personal matter. We talked about this back in our Saints and Society series, but all sin is a corporate matter. We see this in the Bible that Achan in Joshua 7, um, uh, that the whole nation of Israel is actually going to be punished for his sin. But we also see uh, that David, when he sins with Bathsheba, that actually um, shortly after that, 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 that his sin has an impact on, on even uh, his parenting and the way that... Uh, uh, that, that he handles a situation that comes up with his daughter Tamar and his son Abnon. And so what happens is uh, he has a son named Abnon and, she, uh, and he wants uh, Tamar, David's daughter. And so what, what he does is he violates her. He actually um, rapes her. And then what actually happens is that David doesn't punish him, uh, doesn't discipline him. Nothing happens. David is silent. Why? Because our need for forgiveness is, is, is more of a corporate matter than what we think because in that, when, when David sinned against Bathsheba, it, it, it had uh, an, an impact on Uriah. It had an impact on other people. But even out of that, oftentimes we can't parent or, or we, we don't discipline or we're silent because we go, well, I've seen what I've done. And so since everyone else knows what I've done and surely everyone would know what David done, I can't go punish him now for something that he's done or discipline him now. And so what happens is we pull back from doing things that we know we should do. And all this is because our sin is never just this individual matter, it's corporate. So when, when we sin uh, and feel the weight of our sin, then it'll uh, hinder us oftentimes from living out and doing what, what we're supposed to do. And so Absalom, his son, goes and kills Abnon, and then Absalom pursues David. And there's just whole family mess. And a lot of it for, comes from this sin that David did, and it's not an individual thing. Praying forgive us actually helps us to see that our sin is far greater than just a thing between me and God. But every single sin, regardless of what it is, impacts our relationship with God and then uh, impacts our relationship with others. But also forgive us, our debts, also means this, that what, what we're praying for is that the, the sins that our brothers and sisters are blind to, that we want them to see this, we want them to be forgiven of these things because we understand that it's affecting our family and our church community from living out fully who we're supposed to be in Christ. And so this is all we have so far. And forgive us our debts. Is that first we have this location that it is in the prayer. We have our personal need to be forgiven personally for our sins and debt against God. But we see that it's a corporate need as well that we all need to be forgiven. And what we need to see is that forgiveness is our greatest need. That our greatest need is that we need to be forgiven for our sins. We see this because actually in, in Mark's gospel in chapter two, what, what do we have? We have this man who's, who's a paralytic 
And uh, so what does Jesus do? He, he tells the man before he heals him, he says, your sins are forgiven. And, and the Pharisees are, are uh, uh, just frustrated and enraged by this. And they're like, who is this that thinks that he can forgive sins? And so Jesus knows what they're saying. And so he says this, do you think it's easier for me to tell this man to get up and walk or for his sins to be forgiven? What is easier? And we, we know this that it was going to be way harder for Jesus to forgive his sins because by telling him he was forgiven meant that he was going to have to absorb the wrath that he deserved. He also knew that forgiveness was his greatest need, that even if he could walk again, he would still be separated, not reconciled to God for all of eternity. So he's like, forgiveness is what this guy needs. But in order for him to be forgiven, it's going to be far harder because I'm going to have to absorb the pain and the hurt that it takes for someone to be forgiven. It's going to be a costly real costly. It's going to cost my life. It's going to cost abandonment. It's going to cost me being forsaken. And that's our greatest need. But we also see this, and it's important that we see this this morning, is what is happening here is Jesus is saying, forgive us our debts. If forgiveness is our greatest need, and we're also called to forgive others as the forgiven forgive, why is it so difficult for us to do that? I think the answer is simple, is that oftentimes it is hard for us to forgive others because we don't understand that forgiveness is our greatest need, but we also don't understand the cost that it took for Jesus to forgive us of our sins, the cost that that took the Father to forgive us of our sins, and so we are slow to give it. And if we look at this, even Peter is, is, is asking this question. This is a great parable for us to look at for this. But Matthew 18, as Peter says, uh, hey, Lord, if, if someone sins against us, how often should we forgive them? Should, should we forgive them seven times? Which Peter must have been like, this is going to be good. I'm finally going to get one right. Because um, typically people were, uh, saw forgiveness as something you do three times. That's from Amos 2.4 and Job 33.29 is the tradition there is you forgive someone three times. And, and, and that's plenty. And Peter's like, well, seven? What about seven? Because that's like a complete and perfect number. What does Jesus say? He says, no, 77 times. What does this come from? We need to go back in our Bibles to understand what Jesus is saying here. But in the beginning of our Bibles in Genesis chapter four, on forgiveness is this, the opposite of forgiveness, which is vengeance. Here, here we go. Genesis 4, 3, uh, 4, 23 and 24 is this. There's this guy named uh, Lamech, and he's talking to both of his wives right now. And so this is the result of the fall and just how Senfar is going and, and just the people's desperate need for forgiveness. But what we have is we have right before this Cain being punished uh, or disciplined for uh, killing his brother. And then the Lord, or him telling the Lord, like, hey, I'm, a, I'm, I'm afraid to go off in countries. They're going to kill me because they know what I've done. And the Lord goes, no, whatever happens to you, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be sevenfold on the people. And so here's Lamech telling his two wives. He thinks he's like a, a gangster and a player. And so he's like, Ada and Zalah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. Those should have been their first clue. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, let Lamech's, uh, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And so 
Here is him saying, if someone does me wrong, this is the vengeance I'm going to pour out on them. And then Peter arrives. He asked Jesus this question. He was like, hey, how often should we forgive someone? And Jesus says, not seven times, 77 times. What is he doing? He's reversing. People, people would have known this. They, they, they would have known their Hebrew Bibles. They would have heard this and go, oh my goodness. He's reversing what Lamech said. He's going the opposite direction. Uh, he's not saying vengeance. He's saying mercy because Jesus didn't come to pour out wrath and to pour out vengeance. He actually came to absorb God's wrath and to take what we deserve for our sins. And so he's reversing this and he's telling Peter, this is what I came to do, not to offer vengeance or come for vengeance. I've come to offer mercy. I've come to offer forgiveness. I've come to take care of the greatest need. Our greatest need is that we are forgiven for our sins. In other words, our debt is cleared. It, it's, it's washed away. It's removed. We are debt free. This is not something we can provide. Saying forgive me is us declaring to, to, to God and just recognizing and saying, I can't save myself from my greatest need. I need Jesus's blood. I need his righteousness. I need his forgiveness. Our greatest need is that our debt is removed. But here's the thing is if we just have our debt removed, removed that makes us morally neutral with God. So God does something greater. In other words, just to have our debt removed doesn't grant us favor with God. So what God does is he applies the perfect life and righteousness of Jesus to our account. So we're not morally neutral. We're actually, we're actually positively righteous before God. So not only are we forgiven and our debt is cleared, but we're given a perfect credit score. And all of this comes by grace. It's not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. It's something that God gives. It is our greatest need. And here's the thing. In this, God says, in, in Hebrews, it also comes from the Old Testament, that our sins will be remembered no more. And, and so, in other words, our sins are forgotten. It's not that God forgets, it's that he doesn't hold those sins against us. We need to stop remembering sins that God has forgotten. Paul says this. He says, I forget what lies behind me. The, 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 the murdering of Christians, the putting them in prison so I can press on to what lies ahead. If, if we are sitting there dwelling on our sins that we've been forgiving of, then it can take our eyes off of Christ and what Christ has for us to move forward. And so like Paul, we need to know that, that our greatest need has been taken care of. Our debt's been forgiven. We've, we, we've been given Christ's credit score, his perfect credit score, not one that we can mess up. And so we have access to God. And here's the result to all of this. Our result is this, and also that we may forgive our debtors. Here's the most difficult thing, is the forgive and forgive. We don't go to God to gain forgiveness. We go to God as an identity, as people forgiven. But what forgiven people do is they forgive other people. And until we see how great our debt is against God, it will be really difficult for us to forgive other people. So again, with Peter asking Jesus, hey, how often do we forgive people? And then Jesus saying this, he gives them this beautiful parable about this servant who, who has such great debt with the king. He actually, he owes the king 10,000 talents. Now this is incredible if you understand that a talent is 20 years worth of pay. So it would take 20 years for you to earn one talent. And this guy owes the king 10,000 talents. That's like the highest number that, that the Roman Empire had to express just like that. It'd be like $100 trillion. You can't think of anything more. And so he begs the king. He, he's like, please give me mercy. Please give me mercy. And so the king gives him mercy. And he says, go. And then this servant runs into someone along the way that owes him 100 denarii. And 100 denarii would have been about three months of pay because a denarii is, is one, uh, one day's worth of labor. And so now he runs into this guy who owes him about three months of pay and he starts choking him because he doesn't have the money to pay him. And you see this is that 
this guy didn't realize how great his debt is, or he just knew something theologically in his mind, but he didn't grasp how much it is to be forgiven by God. So his forgiveness that he was willing to offer someone else was so small. And so the king brings him back in and, 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 and he's done with him. And he says, you can go into prison and, and you can work off this debt for the rest of your life, which he would not be able to work off. And also we need to see this. And if you'll look with me to verse 14, this is the only verse uh, or this is the only part of the Lord's prayer that Jesus clarifies. It says this in verse 14, for if you forgive others, their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I want to say this. This is not a contradiction of the gospel. We, we are not given forgiveness by God by how well we forgive other people. That is not what this is saying. And, and I'll appeal to some guys smarter than me who also say the same thing. That's not what this is. The gospel is not something we earn. Forgiveness is not something we earn. The forgiveness we have by God is given to us by his grace. Jesus wrote the check with his blood, paid our debt in full, and there's no way we can pay that debt back. And here's what John Stott says. They're, they're, uh, these are three men much smarter than me that are explaining what's going on here. You can read it on your screen or see it on your screen. Once our eyes have been opened to see the enormity of our offense against God, the injuries which others have done to us appear by comparison extremely trifling. If, if one... The other hand, we have an exaggerated view of the offensive of, of, uh, offenses of others. It proves we have minimized our own. Here's Matthew Doriani. Sadly, we even let trivial offenses bother us. If someone neglects to thank us for a favor done or makes a mess we have to clean up or takes credit for work we've performed, we can become agitated. Yet we commit the very sins we resent in others. We stand and excuse ourselves and hold a grudge against someone else who does the same thing. But when we forgive someone else, it shows that we understand what it costs God to forgive us. It shows that we savor God's mercy. And last, D.A. Carson. Jesus sees no incongruity in the actions of the Heavenly Father who forgives so bountifully and punishes so ruthlessly. And neither should we. Indeed, it is precisely because he is God of such compassion and mercy that he cannot possibly accept as his those devoid of compassion and mercy. It is because the Lord so highly values compassion and mercy that those who will be in his kingdom must practice compassion and mercy. This is a kingdom of forgiveness. And so failure to forgive others uh, excludes one from the kingdom whose pattern is to forgive. And so what is going on here and what Jesus is saying is that this is what the forgiven do. They understand how much they've been forgiven of. They understand the debt that's been paid and then they offer forgiveness to others. We've committed treason against God. We, we have said we want our rule and our reign every time we sin. And though Jesus came in and he completely submitted his life to the rule and reign of God and then died for the ways that we have, forgives us of that. And so forgiven people then offer this forgiveness to others. But I'll say this, is that if we are people um, who struggle to forgive other people, or if we create our homes in such a way to where when our spouses or people we're in relationships with or, or just our friends can't confess sin to us without being met by forgiveness, then we need to go back and ask, do we actually understand how much we've been forgiven of and the cost that that took Jesus Christ? And then if we meditate on that, reflect on that, will that lead us to see how much we can then offer others in forgiveness? Lastly, I'll say two things as I invite the, the worship team uh, back up here is that uh, there's no category for people that say that I can't forgive myself. Jesus doesn't give a separate category because I know people say, I get it. I just can't forgive myself. Is that the reality is that kind of makes me cringe, but I, I, I understand is that 
that statement still comes down to your belief about God is that you still somehow think you have a higher standard. And though the God of, of all the universe who's infinite is willing to forgive you, but you say, I just can't forgive myself. It's that you have a high view of self and a low view of God. So I would plead with you. If you feel shame, if you feel guilt to know this, that Jesus Christ bore your shame and he bore your guilt on the cross. That, is, that was his to bear. And through faith in him, what you bear is his righteousness. So please, please, please know this, that you actually please God by trusting in what Jesus Christ bore for you and what Jesus Christ did for you and, and that he made you righteous. We don't actually please God by, by feeling shameful or guilty since that's something that he took. Last, I know this, forgiveness is hard. And here's some practical ways that that we can do this is that forgiveness doesn't mean that we extend all of our trusted people to just welcome them back into our lives. But a very practically, we can start to pray for people and trust that even through praying through them and forgiving them, God will heal us. I've seen the way that God has healed me through offering forgiveness to others in my life. So let's pray for those um, who have hurt us. Let's pray that we'd be able to grow in this and know this, this is something that is an ongoing act. Let's pray. Father, we confess our own need for your forgiveness. We also praise you that you've supplied our greatest need in forgiving us. We pray that that would be something we could offer to others. As we sing, Jesus paid it all. And as we sing about what has been accomplished for us, let us remember the great cost that it took for you to be, uh, um, uh, uh, for us to be made righteous, for us to be reconciled to you. In Jesus' name, amen.